Yeah, welcome everyone. We're so glad to be with you here this morning. It's been a fantastic service so far. Uh, thank you for all the newcomers who are coming to come and support Sam and Annabelle. That's uh, really, really lovely. Uh, welcome back, Pastor Sharon. She mentioned that she'd been overseas. Uh, she might not make a big deal of it, but she was overseas in uh, the very sunny LA, I believe, um, with the Lasan Movement, which is like this uh, global missions and leadership organization that a select few are invited to come and join in the cohort that she was invited into. So we're going to uh, definitely hear a little bit more about that later, but we're excited to have you back. We were falling to pieces over the last few weeks. Things were being deleted and sent out in the wrong places. No one could find the keys. No one knew how to do anything. So we're very glad that you're back. It's been a, a great relief. Um, I also just want to say uh, the, the series that we've been in, the Holy Spirit Hears More series that we've been participating in over the last, uh, yeah, like six or so weeks has been absolutely fantastic. Um, this is the first time that I get to speak in it, which might be why it's been so good. Um, but I've been really looking forward to each of the messages as they've been coming. Um, I found it, I guess, personally just so helpful, uh, especially those first few sermons uh, where we really dug into the, the groundwork of the Holy Spirit and clearing up some clarity of like the who and the what and the how and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. That's been really, really good. Um, the series, um, as you may or may not be aware, has been divided up into, uh, I guess, three sections or three parts. Uh, the first under the heading of um, understanding, uh, which was this great time of teaching and learning. And then this was followed up by a trio of sermons under the, the heading of experiencing. And this had some more of that tangible, uh, interactive elements alongside the sermons as well. We had that Pentecost pause night, which was, yeah, fantastic. And, and now we're moving into this final stage of the, the sermon series. Um, and it is under the, the heading of empowerment, which I'll be starting off um, today with this message. Um, and I, I really hope that, like I personally have found it really, really helpful, but I, I'm hoping that it has been also good and beneficial for you guys in your growth and in your development. Um, it's been good for you guys, yes? Yeah? Yes, I feel, see a few nods, see a few hands. Paul, you can't because you preached most of them. So, um, but it's been good for you guys. But I, I'm glad that it has been good for you uh, and you've been enjoying it because today is not going to be good. Uh, today is the not fun one. Um, so today, all the other messages have been encouraging and uplifting and empowering, and today is all about sin. Uh, so you guys are in for a ride. If any of you leave the room now, I'll call you out by name. Um, but, uh, you know, sin, is, <laughs> sin isn't something that we always, you know, talk a whole lot about from the front. But it is a really, really big deal. And if we're serious about living a life that is, uh, I guess, aligned and empowered by the Holy Spirit, then we need to be serious about uh, sin in our lives. Because we need to be looking at parts of our lives that would either be slowing down or even stopping the work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us, and sin falls into that category. Um, the title of this message is Power to Live. And to me, the first thing that jumped out when I was considering uh, what this message might actually look like was that the Holy Spirit gives us the power to live in a way, or it gives us the power to live a life that looks the way God intended it to look. Um, I made a, a silly mistake in preparing for this message in that... Um, it wasn't that I read the wrong books, it wasn't that I started too late, it wasn't that I was uh, forgetting to be prayerfully invested in what I was going to be sharing, it was the silly mistake of saving my sermon on the desktop of my laptop, 
and not having a copy saved up in the old cloud. Um, and then uh, I'd pretty much finished my message. Uh, I knew that I'd be speaking on the day we got back from, uh, Rachel and I went up to Newcastle. I knew that I'd be speaking on the day I got back from Newcastle. And Rachel had uh, kindly mentioned to me weeks previous that if I'm speaking on the day we get back from a holidays, that I shouldn't also work on the holidays. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get my message done beforehand so that we can have a good holiday time together. Uh, and then on about Wednesday night, uh, my laptop went to meet its maker, and so did my sermon. Um, and so I did a little bit of work on the holidays, and I apologize for that. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so that was uh, my little uh, mistake. And so all of my commentaries and all the books that I'd been using and referencing were sitting back on my table in Knoxfield while I was sitting up in... Uh, yeah, Newcastle. So, speaking of sin, I'm glad to say that I didn't sin, per se, after this all went down. I might have done, like, some sin-adjacent behavior, but I didn't sin at the time when it happened. Like, <clears throat> I did some things that were probably not quite sin. Like, I didn't get angry, but I got grumpy. Um, like, I didn't, you know, yell or, or curse, but I, I did huff and puff, which is like, you know, like the, the kids' version of getting angry and all that. So... Uh, so yeah, there you go. But whether or not you know it's sin or, or sin-adjacent behaviors and actions, at the end of the day, we want to see God glorified. Uh, we want to see Jesus preached. We want to see our lives guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, and if there is going to, if there is going to be anything that stops that from happening, it is going to be sin in our lives that is unrepented of, sin that is undealt with, uh, sin that we are willing just to keep a hold of because we want it there. If we want the Holy Spirit empowering our lives and all parts of our life, then we need to also allow the Holy Spirit to grant us power to live in a way that shows God's redemptive work inside us. And so the passage I was speaking from today is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 17 to 32. It will be on the screen, but feel free to read along. It says this, With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives them because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But this isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your sinful nature, your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lusts and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't let sin... uh, Sorry, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, 
just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for uh, the service so far. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you have been ministering to us through just the company of other believers, through the the singing of worship songs to you, through the hearing and viewing of testimonies and baptisms. And Lord, I pray that you'll continue to minister to us through the reading of your word and the teaching of your word. Uh, Lord, speak to us. Lord, may your Holy Spirit be ministering to us even now. In your name, amen. Now, um, the first thing I want to uh, talk about is that the Holy Spirit is, uh, the first, sorry, the first thing I want to talk about is that with the Holy Spirit in us, there comes the power of freedom. Uh, I think we all love the idea of freedom. Like, I like free stuff, uh, and I like freedom. Yes, I like the idea of uninhibited movement, uh, and I think the world that we live in loves the idea of freedom. Although, depending on, you know, which newspaper you read or which talking head you listen to or which podcast or YouTube channel uh, you subscribe to, we all have different ideas of what freedom looks like. But I think most of the ideas are the same at their heart. Freedom to do what you want without being controlled by someone that you do not consent to. And I, I think this all sounds uh, great in theory, but it rarely works out well in reality. Oh, by the way, I, I apologize. I do know that I've given you the wrong scripture uh, reference. It's in Ephesians. I said First uh, Corinthians. So apologies for those of you that actually looked at your Bible. Well done. And apologies to those of you who just trusted me. It was a test, and you all failed. Now, uh, this scripture passage was uh, from Ephesians. Um, so, yeah, this idea of, you know, this freedom where you just want to do what you want without someone controlling you, without someone stopping you, as long as it's also a person that you uh, don't want and don't consent to controlling you. However, when Scripture talks about freedom, I don't think this is the type of freedom that the Spirit really leads us into. And if you look at the first few verses of this passage, which is in Ephesians, we actually get this image of what freedom is. And it's not this idea of that you are just being freed to something, It is also this idea of that you're also being freed from something. So from something and then to something. And you you read stories of people who have been, I guess, locked up in prison for years and years. And then they finally are released. But the release does not actually give them relief. Freedom doesn't actually feel good. It's called post-release daily adaption. And it's this fight because although they have been freed from confinement... In a large majority of cases, they haven't actually been freed to something. They've only been freed from something. And in a sad sense, life on the outside of prison still feels like a type of captivity to them. Freedom from something without being freed to something is an incomplete freedom, and it robs freedom of its power. But with the freedom that comes with the power of the Holy Spirit... We are not just freed from our old self, from the old nature, from the sinful nature, from the former way of life, the corrupted life. We are freed to a new way of living. We are freed to a new life, a new way, a righteous and holy life. We have been granted entry into a new world. And not only have we been granted entry into this new place, but we have a guide who knows the place a guide who knows how the new world works and is happy to lead us in it. A new way of living has been handed over to us 
Freedom from and freedom to has been gifted to us. The opportunity is right there in front of us. But as I'm sure you are all more than aware, this doesn't mean that the old ways and the old life just disappear from us. Um, I often think of basketball players, just in general, um, but I often think of basketball players, and I love the NBA, and I watch as much of it as I can, but there's something that's really funny that happens in the NBA that seems to happen more than in any other sport, and that is that players get traded all the time. Uh, like, it can happen straight after the season ends. It can happen in the off-season. It can happen in the drafts. It can happen right before the season. It can happen in mid-season as well. Like, in the middle of the season, players can get traded. Um, and sometimes a team will look completely different from the start of the season to what it looks like at the end of the season because they've traded so many players. Um, I remember uh, Harrison Barnes, a player who was playing for the Dallas Mavericks, was in the game playing when he got news that he was traded to a different team. So he was in playing for the Mavericks, and while the game was happening, the news broke that his team had traded him mid-game. Um, and so he sat on the bench for the rest of the game because you don't want to damage your goods. And, and so all this trade frenzy that happens uh, can take a bit of adjusting to as the player moves from one jersey to another, from one set of teammates to another, from one coach to another, from one style of play to another. And you can often spot the player who is looking a bit lost and out of sorts out there because they haven't adjusted to this new team that they are now a part of. And I think in us that there is this adjustment period. We're like a, a restoration project um, in a lot of ways. And there's this transition period from where we are moving from what we were into what we are going to be. And it's a work in progress. And sometimes we forget that we don't play for that team anymore. We sometimes take a while to unlearn and unhitch ourselves from that style of play that the old team taught us. And I know some people here might prefer some theological definitions rather than sports-based analogies. And so the theological definitions would use in this scenario, the words are justification and sanctification. You know, justification means that believers are set free from the penalty of sin, from sin's penalty. And sanctification means that we are being set free from the power of sin. And justification is something that God does for us, and sanctification is what God does with us. Justification is this instant change from the old self to the new self, from the lost to the frowned, from team A to team B. And sanctification is this progressive change as we move into a more fuller and complete understanding of God's will for our lives. It is a restoration process that we are a work in progress. And yes, there will come a time when that work is done and when we are made complete and the restoration work will be done as Jesus returns. And that is called glorification. And I guess this is where we get to the meat of today's message. Uh, again, I apologize because it will say Corinthians on the screen. Um, but that restoration process in verse 23 and 24 it says instead let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes put on your new nature created to be like god truly righteous and holy then the next few verse the next few verses after that start listing off what that might look like it says you know stop lying stop letting anger control you stop holding on to uh, grudges stop letting the devil have footholds in your life stop stealing stop using abusive toxic language and I guess if I was to condense all of this down into a soundbite, it would be this. Stop sinning. But like seriously, stop sinning. 
The Spirit has brought the power of renewal, renewal and the power of freedom into your life. And you are freed from sin and you are freed into a better way of existence. So stop sinning. Stop being okay with sin. Stop justifying sin. Stop excusing sin. Stop hiding sin. Stop ignoring sin. Stop playing with sin and seeing how far. Stop sinning. I was listening to uh, these two pastors talk a while back while I was driving, and one of them started talking about the nuances and the complexities and all these gray areas, and the other pastor said, stop, stop. It isn't complicated, it's just hard sometimes. And that's what it is. It isn't complicated, but it's just hard sometimes. There's no trick to it. It's just hard sometimes. So stop living outside of the Spirit's power. The Spirit is never going to lead you into sin. Never. The Spirit will only ever lead you into a deeper and holier relationship with God. And sin is living in rebellion to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And as you continue further and further along in your process with the Holy Spirit, you will find more and more sin in your life as you start, and you'll see more and more areas for this restoration process to begin. And I guess the problem is that in the process of all of that, we get convicted of sin and we get confused because all of a sudden guilt and shame uh, build up in us due to this terrible thing in our life that we found. All of a sudden, a process that's actually meant to be helpful becomes harmful because of the way that we interpret it. Sin is a bad thing. Yes. Tweet that out. The pastor has made a controversial statement. I'm making a stand here. We at this church believe sin is a bad thing. Um, Very, very controversial there. It is a bad thing, but being convicted of sin is a good thing. That is the Holy Spirit in your life revealing areas of progress that he is looking to make in you. That is the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. That is a gift from the Holy Spirit to you to bring you into a better way of living. The problem is that our pride and our shame get in the way, and that conviction turns into judgment and rejection in our minds. And we need to start relearning the beauty of conviction. Uh, Rachie and I were driving to the airport last week, um, and in the car she pointed out something that I was doing wrong. Um, Admittedly, Rachie might have said it in a way that was more amicable, Um, And also, the timing wasn't optimal, um, because as everyone knows, driving to the airport is the most stress-free and peaceful time of anyone's life. Um, So that might have been an oversight on her behalf. (coughs) But, regardless, regardless, what she said had merit. And, so what did I do? Did I rejoice in the fact that the person who loves me and knows me the best in the world is gifting me an opportunity to be a better person? Did I celebrate and say hallelujah and turn to her and say, thank you, babe, you're number one? Or, option B, did I sulk like a child? Obviously, pride got in the way and I sulked like a child for the next 20 minutes of the car ride. But, like, why wouldn't I rejoice in the opportunity to be made better? It isn't complicated It's just hard sometimes. 
Why wouldn't I rejoice in the gift of removing something that is impure or toxic or wrong in my life? And so when the Holy Spirit or your wife reveals sin in you, do you rejoice? Do you rejoice for what it truly is? Or do we harden ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life? Uh, 1 John 2, 1 to 6, double check that please. Uh, 1 John 2, 1 to 6 says this. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commands. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commands, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word show truly how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. If you love God, you will love the commands of God. If you love God, you will seek to remove the control of sin in your life. Uh, We've been talking uh, a bit over the last little while about being in step with the Holy Spirit, uh, listening to the Holy Spirit, being in communication with the Holy Spirit and relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I I just want to dispel this notion that just because we are growing in connection and collaboration with the Spirit doesn't mean that there will be no sin in our lives. We live in a fallen world. Uh, We have fallen bodies and invariably, inevitably, inevitably, uh, we have brokenness in us. The Holy Spirit in us does not mean no sin in us, but it does mean that that sin is being stripped away. There is a wrestle going on inside of us as the sin is being chiseled from us. And you know what? The wrestle is good. The wrestle means action. The wrestle means movement. The wrestle means something is happening. Like, Have you ever heard this sentiment from a parent? Uh, The kid does something wrong, and then they get told off by the parent, and then the kid goes, well, this other kid's allowed to do it, and the parent says, I don't care what that other kid's allowed to do, because they're not my kid. You ever heard that sentiment? Just me? No, I'm sure you did. But like, I don't care about the sin inside of someone who doesn't follow Jesus. Like, I don't care about the sin inside of people that don't claim Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I care about the sin inside of people who are God's children. God cares about his children. And if you believe in Jesus as your Savior, then you are his child, and God cares about sin in his children. 1 John 2 doesn't say, if you do not follow Jesus, or if you do not follow God, you will not sin. It says, no, if you love God, you will not sin. It is talking to us. It is talking to believers. So if you love God, you will seek to remove sin from your life. If you love God, you'll take steps to break that addiction. If you love God, you will stop creating a toxic environment for your family to live in. If you love God, you will say sorry to the person that you have wronged. If you love God, you'll stop seeking relationships outside of God's design. If you love God, you will stop letting pride rule over your life. If you love God, you'll stop you know, trashing your bodies on the weekends. If you love God, you'll stop looking down on people that are younger and fresher than you in the faith. If you love God, you'll stop lying at work. 
You'll stop letting anger control you. You'll stop letting fear and insecurity and anxiety make decisions in your life. You'll tell your wife about that secret sin. You will apologize to your children. You will be bold enough to speak the name of Jesus to your family and friends. You will submit yourself to the calling that God has placed on your life. Not because these are rules that you have to follow to get into heaven but because that is the power of the Holy Spirit in your life leading you to true freedom. True freedom. The wrestle is good because the wrestle is you realizing that sin has no place in your life. The Holy Spirit is pointing out places of restoration and it is happening. So be proud of the wrestle that is going on. Don't be shamed. Be proud that you feel this stir in you that is moving you towards freedom. And the last bit I want to pick up on comes from verse 30. It says this. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Uh, Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. And so most translations will say, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by the way that you live. How interesting and, and sobering is that thought? That your life can bring grief or sorrow to the Holy Spirit. Like... I was wrestling with my son this last week, and after he finished beating me up, I pretended to cry so he would stop. Um, And he laughed, and he's like, oh, Dad, you don't cry. And I was like, boy, you are wrong. I most certainly do. Have you ever seen that action movie with Bruce Willis, Armageddon? Tears galore. I cry. Ooh. But imagine, you know, my son thinks that I'm this tough guy who doesn't cry and doesn't need to cry because, I don't know, he has this image of me being strong or whatever. But, like, imagine that we can bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit, like an equal in the Godhead, one of the creators of of life. Incredible. Uh, An Anglican reverend, Charlie Lacey, explains it like this. When we deliberately or inadvertently behave in a way that is inimical or damaging to uh, to our spiritual improvement, It grieves the Holy Spirit. So when we behave in a way that is damaging to our spiritual improvement, it grieves the Holy Spirit. In the same way that a loving parent is grieved when his or her child behaves in a self-destructive manner. Do not bring sorrow or grief to the Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Like Like I feel like we are being led into a new land. We are being led into a better and greater place. But at times, we keep on stopping and picking up shiny bits of trash along the way. And we see them on the road and we pick up this trash and we put it in our pocket and take it with, it, with us for some reason. We are, we are given the power to step into a truly new and truly changed life. We are being led into healthier relationships, but we keep settling for conflict or the internet or, or wrong people because it catches our eye. We are being led into better self-worth or self-awareness, but then we keep settling for worldly expectations and worldly standards. We are being led into newness and fullness of life, but we settle for less because it is immediate and it catches our eyes. And I want to tell you that settling for less is not a satisfying way to live. It grieves the Holy Spirit. I know it is not always easy but it is always good. Experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in us and in our lives means that our lives start to look different. Truth 
gets spoken into places that lies once held captive. Light gets shone into dark and gloomy places. Life is breathed where once decay sat. The power of the Holy Spirit in us, revealing and redeeming brokenness. The Holy Spirit in us, gifting us the power to put on new nature, a new self, a new way of living, a new life that God has called us into. Sin is a rebellion of that calling, but sin does not have to rule our lives. Sin does not have a claim on a believer's life. Sin does not hold you captive. The Holy Spirit in us grants us the power to live in a new way. So welcome, welcome the exposing power of the Holy Spirit as it reveals parts of you that need to be brought into the light. Welcome the wrestle as the Holy Spirit works with you and in you and on you as a restoration piece that God is bringing to completion. Take no part in grieving the Holy Spirit, but let your life be a thing of joy. Accept only what the Holy Spirit leads you to. Don't accept the toxic alternatives. So I want to encourage you that you have the Holy Spirit on your side. There's no benefit to keeping sin in your life. It will only slow you down or stop you. Get free. Confess. Rejoice in the pruning and accept with open arms the power of the Holy Spirit to allow you to live the way that you were meant to live. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you are not done with us. I thank you, Lord, that you do this amazing work in bringing the truth of salvation into our lives. And on that day we are made new, but Lord, you are not done with us. Lord, I thank you that you continue to work on us and in us and through us. Lord, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that ministers to us and through us. Lord, I pray that we would be a people uh, that would love your commands. Pray that we would be a people whose lives reflect our love for you. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you that the Holy Spirit grants us the power to step into this new life, this new way of living. Lord, I pray that we would reject sin. We would reject the the behaviors and the thought patterns and the characteristics of sin in our life and we'll be made new. Lord, I pray that we would never be people that grieve the work of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we just want to thank you for the the new land and the new opportunity that you are leading us into. May we walk and follow you all the days of our lives. Amen.